Prepare your ears for some weird candy. Weird candy. Weird candy. Weird candy. Weird candy. Hey, what's going on, my fellow weirdos? Happy Tuesday to you. I hope the uh, butthole of the work week isn't kicking you too hard. You know, today I thought we'd do something just a little different and uh, maybe slow things down a little bit, you know, kind of, you know, kick back. So uh, let's do it. Hey, how's it going? My name's Chris and I'm a Capricorn. I enjoy long bouts of laying on the couch, binge watching horror movies during a nice stormy day, crisp fall weather. What's your sign, baby? <laughs> All right, so with that out of the way, uh, you know, make sure you check out our, our Facebook page. It's a Weird Candy Podcast uh, on Facebook. And, uh, you know, shoot us an email if you got any ideas, suggestions, you know, any, any just anything you want to talk about. Uh, weirdcandypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I, I guess with that being said, uh, fuck it, uh, let's get let's get weirder or, or weirder anyway. <laughs> Everyone has a different idea of the perfect home. I'm pretty sure that, you know, one thing that almost always remains the same is the thought of owning our own little slice of paradise. Uh, you know, safety, peace, quiet, you know, enough property to really and truly just do with whatever our imagination can dream up. You know, we think of our home as being the one place where nothing can harm us. The one place where we can walk through the door, breathe a heavy sigh, let go of all the stress from the day, and ultimately, you know, just relax and let our guard down. Roger and Carolyn Perron were looking for exactly that when they found the old Arnold estate up for sale. Thinking that they had found the perfect home for themselves and their five daughters, like, damn, I thought raising one daughter was tough, Jesus, uh, the Perrons made an offer and bought the house of their dreams. Unfortunately, their dream home would become a nightmare of epic proportions that would become known as the Harrisville Haunt. Uh, the, old Arnold, uh, the old Arnold Estate is a farmhouse located in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Uh, I guess hence the name uh, the Harrisville Haunting, right? Uh, uh, originally built in the 1700s, the property stretches for 200 acres. Uh, it, it's kind of an you know, it, uh, interesting looking place. Uh, okay, fine. The place looks fucking haunted. Okay, there. Fine. I said it. You all right? Are you happy? Yeah. It fucking looks haunted. It looks, it's kind of terrifying looking, honestly. Uh, after the family bought the house, they were given one piece of advice from the previous owners. For the sake of your family, leave the lights on at night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, uh, no thanks. You know, Roger, Roger and Carolyn were obviously freaked out by this comment. But when they tried to tell the people that they had changed their minds about buying the place, uh, the previous owners simply said, uh, yeah, no take backs and ran to the car. And so that's pretty fucking creepy if you ask me, you know, like grown adults, like no take backs, run away. <laughs> anybody, anybody buying that? Anybody? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe they didn't say no take backs, but they, they did give them the advice uh, for the sake of your family. Leave the lights on at night. Uh, the history of the land is pretty fucking depressing. Uh, I mean, this is, this is a fairly lengthy list of some, uh, some of it's pretty fucked up. So, you know, just, just buckle up guys. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know, again, by the way, man, especially this first one, it's pretty fucking brutal. So just, just FYI, you know, uh, the lore says that in 1849, 12 year old Prudence Arnold was found murdered. She had been raped and her throat slashed with a razor. Her assailant was never caught. 
I mean, God, why the kids? I, we've talked about this. All right, guys, uh, we've talked about this. And, and maybe, you know, we need some counseling after all this. But why is it always the kids? God, I can't fucking stand it. Uh, uh, anyway, moving forward. Uh, in 1866, Susan Arnold hanged herself in the attic of the farmhouse. Uh, she was so set on dying that she locked herself in the attic with a loaded gun, a dirk knife, uh, a dirk knife is a thin knife used as a weapon. I, mean, God, I have to explain everything to you guys. I mean, come on. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I honestly had no idea either. I had to Google it. <laughs> uh, so she locked herself up there, uh, a dirk knife, and a, uh, a vial of mercury. She was definitely not taking any fucking chances that she would live. I mean, if the hanging didn't work, you know, how maybe stab cut herself i don't know and that didn't work you know like you know shoot herself and then drink the i don't know i don't know what her plan was but she had more than enough ways that she was going to make goddamn sure that this shit happened you know what i mean uh in 1901 jarvis smith was found in a shed on the estate where it was determined that he had passed out drunk and froze to death I mean, it sounds like a pleasant way to go i mean fuck at least he had a buzz i don't know <laughs> in 1903, Edwin Arnold disappeared. He was found seven weeks later, and uh, he had also frozen to death. So that kind of sucks. Uh, in 1911, John Arnold committed suicide by drinking Paris Green, which was a popular pesticide of the time. Uh, not long after John committed suicide, his wife uh, also killed herself by hanging. Like, God damn. Man, this shit, if it's true, this shit is fucking crazy. Oh, God, you know, and, and I get it. You know, the place is almost 300 years old. You know, a lot of bad shit can happen over that much time. But, oh, man, seriously. Uh, supposedly, there are many, many more deaths. But, you know, I think right now we'll just kind of maybe gloss over those. And we'll, we're going to get to the biggest death of them all. Uh, Bathsheba Sherman. Yeah, say that five times fast. Yeah, I tried. It's not easy. According to the lore, Bathsheba was a witch. Oh, shit, here we go. I don't like the way that prostitute gave my wiener the drippy drips. She's a witch! <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, anyway, the claims are that she had killed two of her own children as a sacrifice to her dark lord, uh, Sir Lord Philip Oilesford IV. Oh, wait, no, that's not right. Ah, shit. Sorry, guys. Uh, here it is. Um, uh, her dark lord, uh, Satan. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a, a little throwback to the Philip Experiment episode. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So now you guys get to relive it with me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this is so much fun. After killing her children in a satanic, I mean, not killing her children in a satanic ritual. That's not fun, obviously. Come on, work with me here. Uh, after, after killing her children in a satanic ritual, she went out back and hung herself from a tree. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, that's a pretty surefire way to make sure that the place is 100% haunted, uh, without a doubt. Like, no question. Like, hey, uh, Dark Lord, Sir Lord, oh, wait, no, I mean, uh, Satan, uh, you know, here, take my kids, and uh, then I'm going to kill myself in your name. So, yeah, that's fucking crazy. Uh, according to their testimony, the haunting began almost immediately. The five daughters, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April, they were the first to notice the uh, supposed like ghost in the place. Nancy and Christine shared a room. Cindy and April shared a room. And Andrea, being the oldest, had a room to herself. One of the spirits that the girls called uh, Mrs. Arnold would tuck the girls in at night and kiss them on the forehead. Like, right. 
you know, uh, just, you know, just some fucking apparition tucks me in and kisses my forehead. And, you know, they're all just like, oh, how sweet. Like, get the fuck out of here. There's no fucking way. You know, well, okay, unless maybe she was kind of hot. You know, like, wait, what? No. uh, Oh, man, sorry, guys. I've really got to clear my browser history. This is getting out of control. Uh, 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 Oh, man. Another spirit uh, was said to be that of a little boy named Johnny Arnold, but the girls nicknamed him Manny. Um, Okay, yeah. How do you get Manny from Johnny? I don't know, but uh, uh, apparently Manny would play with their toys. They claimed that they were absolutely blown away with how the, to- the toy cars would roll across uh, across the floor as if being pushed by an invisible hand. Like, who the fuck are these people? Like, I see shit moving by myself, and uh, there's going to be a whole lot of uh, power across compels you. The power across compels you. I mean, there's going to be a fucking ton of that. Like, I'm going to take guns. You know what? We're, we're going to get that priest from Florida that exercises evil trees. Yeah, that should do the fucking trick. Yeah. Now what? <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Carolyn and her daughters also claimed that another spirit would actually sweep the floors. I shit you not. Uh, they, they said that they, they would hear the sound of sweeping noises, and then when they would get up to go investigate, they would find the broom leaning against a wall and a neat pile of dust on the floor in front of it. You know, uh, <laughs> apparently this uh, this ghost uh, never heard of finishing what you started, you know, lazy bastard. You know, you pick the data, pick up after yourself. You know, you don't leave a job half done. God, you know, no wonder you're dead. <laughs> uh, the family also said that at different times they would actually see these entities, describing them as opaque, somewhat solid. But if they would try to make eye contact uh, or try to get a direct, straight-on look, uh, that the entities would vanish. I mean, these fucking people are unreal. I mean, outside of a little free housekeeping and, I don't know, maybe a little sexy spectral time, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the other stuff would have made me nope the fuck out of there pretty damn quick. I don't know about you guys, but... Uh, Jesus. Uh, and with that being said, uh, the family remained in the home for a little over 10 years uh, when they finally sold the farm, and uh, uh, according to all reports, they lived happily ever after. So, all right. Uh, remember, an open mind leads to endless possibilities. Nah, I'm just kidding. I mean, I hope I got at least one of you guys. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. No, this shit was just the beginning. Like, it wasn't even close to over. Uh, Roger was a truck driver, so he would be gone for long periods of time. Uh, eventually, we'll get into some of, like, what he witnessed. But for most of the early events, he, he just wasn't there. You know, he was out working, trying to keep, you know, keep the roof over the head kind of thing, you know. Over time, the girls started to have other things happen to them. Uh, sometimes, you know, they would smell flowers or they'd feel a cold breeze blow by them, you know, uh, and, and while living in an old farmhouse in the winter uh, in, in Rhode Island of all places, you know, I mean, that could easily explain why you might feel these cold breezes. But it, it seems like these breezes would happen in like weird places, you know, it'd be walking down a hall and, and one of the girls would feel it while, while her sister, you know, that was maybe two, three feet ahead, wouldn't feel anything at all. You know, like that breeze was meant like specifically for, you know, whoever happened to feel it at the time. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Not all of the ghosts in the home were benevolent. Uh, again, I'm not sure I, I would have been nearly as hunky fucking Dory as they were about all this. But, you know what they say, you know, to, uh, to each uh, his own level of, of in, insane, crazy shit before you shit your pants and run away 
screaming into the night. I, I'm pretty sure that's how the saying goes. I don't know, but I, I don't know. I may be wrong, paraphrasing, but I, I think that's how the saying goes. So, <laughs> uh, as winter gave way to spring, the girls started to hear voices coming from nowhere and and everywhere at the same time. Sometimes they would sound like you know these low cries, like someone was quietly sobbing in a corner. Uh, sometimes the voices would be outright blood curdling screams. At one point, a voice told the family that there were seven soldiers buried inside of the walls of the home. And over time, it would continue to tell Cindy uh, the, this exact same message, just out of nowhere. Like, yeah, oh, I get it, motherfucker. Leave me alone. <laughs> what a dick. Uh, <laughs> on top of the voices, things really started going downhill when the family started to actually witness things moving on their own. You know, like they would uh, walk into the room and, and the kitchen table would be levitating off of the ground. And, and then it would go flying and slam into the wall. You know, uh, you know, basic stuff, you know, nothing strange about that. You know, I mean, come on, like who hasn't seen that? Am I right, guys? Come on. Uh, or, or doors like constantly banging open and close over and over again, just slamming. You know, I mean, like whose doors don't do that? Mine do it all the damn time. I don't know. I don't know what they're tripping over, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> and again, this was all still just the beginning. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The girls started all sleeping in bed with Andrea. You know, uh, they they would wake up in the middle of the night and just be like, nope, the fuck out of their own rooms. And they would climb in bed with Andrea. You know, on most nights, they would be like fast asleep, dream about getting a slinky or, or maybe a pogo stick for Christmas. Or maybe they would dream about, you know, getting the fuck out of that house. Yeah, I mean, you know, typical kids dreams, right? Uh, when they would be woken up by something yanking them out of bed by their hair or arms or legs. Like, Jesus, this shit is fucking terrifying. And and they're just, they just stay. I don't get it. Ah. Uh, after a while, the entire family, including Roger, started being woken up every morning at 5.15 a.m. by the smell of rotting flesh. You know, and, and I've thought about this. I, you guys, hear me out. Uh, you know, maybe, just maybe, hear me out. Roger and Carolyn had had a, a real heavy night of drinking. And uh, old Roger Dodger let out a fucking gut-busting fart that just wafted through the whole upstairs where everybody was sleeping, you know? It's just a theory, just saying. <laughs> when this stink would roll through the home, anyone that actually stayed in the bed would have the entire bed heaved off of the floor, sending whoever was on it flying. <laughs> and I'm, st I'm still not ruling out the fart theory on this one. I mean, maybe, you know, the shit was, you know, so smelly, but it was also like super powerful and acted like a rocket booster <laughs> or something. <laughs> I told you guys I'm 12. I can't help it. <laughs> fart jokes are still awesome. Uh, as time went on, the intensity of the occurrences was cranked up to 11. Why, why didn't the activity just get worse at 10? Because our activity goes to 11. <laughs> Ask your parents. Come on. Uh, the, the, these more malicious attacks, they seem to come at the hands of Bathsheba Sherman. Uh, Bathsheba, according to the family, uh, she had the hots for good old Roger Dodger. Uh, so he claims that at random times he would feel a hand lightly brush across the back of his neck or would sometimes feel a light breath in his ear. He even reported that he would feel these grazes that would like start on his chest and slowly work their way down to his naughty bits. Uh, so, sounds like dude was enjoying some of that uh, sexy spectral time we were talking about, right? Right? Uh, come on. Uh, a flip side to Roger's experience was that Bathsheba really fucking hated Carolyn. Uh, it, it's reported that she would occasionally go after their daughter Cindy, you know, sometimes and just kind of hassle her some. 
But uh, mostly her aim was at Carolyn. Uh, she claimed that she had woken up one morning just before dawn, Carolyn did, and that she saw an apparition by her bed that was the head of an old woman hanging off to one side like her neck was broken uh, down over an old gray dress. The old hag told her, get out, get out. I'll drive you out with death and gloom. Um, yeah, just, so just like our uh, Okiku episode, uh, yeah, it's her house now. Because uh, I'm noping the fuck out of there. Fuck that, dude. Man, I mean, I understand financial restraint, but Jesus, there's got to be a fucking line, right? Uh, at first, Bathsheba's treatment of Carolyn, it was just cruel. Like, she would pinch her sometimes, while other times she would just, like, full-on slap the shit out of her. It, <laughs> I know it's not funny. I know that, guys. But but bear with me here. Uh, you know, I just keep picturing, like, Carolyn sitting in the kitchen, you know, having some coffee or tea or something. And, and right as she gets the cup out of her lips, an invisible hand just, like, rocks the fuck out of her. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny in my head. I don't know. Maybe if you guys could... No, you don't want to be there. Never mind. You don't want to see it in my head. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I get it. It would be absolutely fucking terrifying. But the image in my head, I swear, it's it's hilarious. I, I wish you guys could see it. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, moving on. Moving on. As these attacks started happening more and more often, other things started to happen as well. Carolyn would be going about her day when random objects would be thrown at her head. Sometimes, you know, it might be a plate or a cup. Other times it might be a lamp or other heavy objects. There is no fucking way I'd be staying in this house. Like, I'll take my chances living in a van down by the river. <laughs> Again, ask your parents. You know, they'll get it. <laughs> uh, uh, then there, there was the one instance where Carolyn was laying on the couch when she felt this, like, really sharp pain in her calf. She pulled up her pant leg and she saw a bleeding puncture wound that she said looked as if she had been stabbed with a large sewing needle. Ouch! Oh, man, you might have to take like two aspirin for that one. Jesus. Oh. Uh, Bathsheba somehow knew that Carolyn was very afraid of fire and would often wake her up by banging torches against her bed while telling her to get out. Uh, you know, and since, since there are any reports of like the bed ever actually catching fire, I'm going to assume that these were like ghost torches. <laughs> Like, maybe they're having ghost barbecues. I don't know. They have tiki torches. I don't know. <laughs> so again, my head. I don't know. Uh, eventually, Bathsheba decided that if her lover's wife wouldn't leave voluntarily, she would possess her body. Now, now, okay, serious question. I'm just curious. But now, would that count as a threesome for old Roger Dodger? You know, just I'm wondering. Serious question. You know, send me an email. <laughs> Uh, now, this was when the Purans, uh, they decided to reach out to the New England Society for Psychic Research, uh, better known as the NESPR. The NESPR was founded in 1952 by renowned paranormal investigators Ed and the Rain Warren. Uh, Ed Warren was a self-proclaimed demonologist. Uh, in other words, he, he claimed that he knew everything uh, from the names of all the demons and what particular sin was their forte, you know, all the way up to how to properly exercise them from whatever human skin suit they had possessed. While the whole, you know, demonologist title seems pretty silly to me, Ed had actually served overseas during World War II, so I'm sure he had seen some shit before he became Bessies with the Devil's Minion, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Lorraine, uh, Lorraine Warren. Now she claimed to be a medium and a clairvoyant. She would go into what they called uh, light trances, where she would claim to communicate with spirits. 
Now, be, now before they died, Ed and Lorraine Warren had done over 10,000 investigations. Like, holy shit. That is a lot of fucking investigations. Like, wow. Man. Um, at the time of the Perron family's experiences, the Warrens were gaining popularity across the country, and, and they would often travel and, and give lectures on the supernatural, uh, which is where Carolyn heard about them. And, and ultimately, that, that's how they came to be involved with the old Arnold estate. By the time that the Warrens arrived, Carolyn had been uh, she had begun speaking in a low guttural voice, sometimes even displaying inhuman strength. Now, I couldn't really find any reports of exactly what this inhuman strength was, but I imagine, you know, uh, those little three ways with Roger Dodger probably got a little kinky. Just saying. No, just me. <laughs> OK, I'll quit. I'll stop. I promise. Uh, according to reports, Ed and Lorraine knew that there was something wrong with the old home almost as soon as they pulled onto the property. After a fairly quick investigation, Lorraine claimed that there were several spirits that inhabited the house, uh, but one of the most wicked was Bathsheba Sherman. Another claim was that from the moment that they entered the home, uh, Carolyn or Bathsheba or uh, how about Karoshiba? Karoshiba! <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, Karoshiba became furious, demanded they get the fuck out. After multiple trips to the estate and many, many hours of investigating spread out over several months, Lorraine decided that they would try to use a seance to communicate with the evil entity and hopefully somehow convince it to move into the fiery pits of hell. Oh, or, or, yeah, or maybe they convinced, tried to convince it to move into the light. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess maybe that would probably work, you know, a little better. Give the spirit a little more motivation to work and move on there, you know, like. I don't know. Uh, Ed and Lorraine invited a, a, an unnamed medium, and the group set up around a table in the kitchen, ready to begin the seance. At first, you know, nothing really happened. Carolyn continued to mumble in that same guttural growl, but, you know, nothing really, like, you know, scary. But as Lorraine began to push more and more for uh, Karoshiba to come through, all hell broke loose. Slowly, Carolyn's guttural mumbling started to turn into a straight-up demonic fucking voice. Oh, creepy. Uh, her eyes reportedly turned almost completely black, and she started speaking in a language that no one present recognized. Uh, it, it's almost, it, it almost seemed as if, like, whatever she was saying wasn't very nice and seemed to be directed mainly at Lorraine and the medium. You know, in, in my head, the translation was like, you know, some sassy demon saying things like, Whoa, no, you did it. Look. What you're doing is totally annoying. <laughs> like shit like that, you know? As the seance went on, things began to escalate. As Lorraine pushed harder, Karoshiba began to curl her fingers into positions that should have broken them, but weirdly did not. Uh, at one point, she dug her nails into the palms of her hands so hard that she was literally dripping blood onto the floor. Like, fuck that. Man, like I said before, guys, uh, that's her house now. <laughs> I'm out. I'm noping the fuck out. Uh, as the demonic chit-chat started ramping up, it, it started to sound like there were like two voices coming from Karoshiba at the same time. One was the deep demonic devil talk, and, and the other was like a painful moaning that kind of sounded like Carolyn's voice. At one point, her eyes shot wide open, almost like she had just woken up from a fucking nightmare. Uh, her legs supposedly stuck straight out in front of her and slowly bent their way up to her head. Uh, Roger, understandably, jumped out of his seat trying to rush to help his wife, but was stopped by Ed. Suddenly, Carolyn's entire body started to tremble, and the guttural demonic voice changed into a sharp, shrill shriek. Like, 
Fucking yikes, guys. Ah. Uh, at this point, Roger decided that he had seen enough and demanded that they stop. As he, as he stood up from his chair, Ed continued to try to stop him when all of a sudden Carolyn's chair levitated off of the floor and she was flung over 10 feet backwards into the parlor. Oh, my God. It was at this point that the farmhouse came alive. Like at this point. Good God. Uh, the shutters started rattling against their latches. The entire home began to crackle and groan. I mean, you know, kind of like sounds like me when I get out of bed in the morning. You know, just just saying. Uh, old Roger Dodger had finally had enough and he punched Ed right in the face and kicked everyone out of the house, telling them to never come back. When it was all said and done, Carolyn uh, came to and claimed to have absolutely zero recollection of anything that had happened, including Ed and Lorraine Warren showing up to begin the seance. So that's kind of fucking weird. Um, uh, according to the Perons, while there was still activity in the home after this, things never reached that, that terrifying level again. Uh, all in all, they lived in the home for around 10 years uh, before they were financially stable enough to sell and relocate, which they did in 1980. The family moved from Rhode Island to Georgia, which, in my opinion, is probably not quite far enough. I, I'm just saying, like, I don't know, Iceland, maybe? That'd, maybe that'd be good? I don't know. I don't know. The, <laughs> the home was resold in 1983 to a couple named Jerry and Norma Sutcliffe. The Sutcliffe's claim that they experienced disturbing things, but nothing as malevolent as the Purons had. Norma claims that they would hear doors banging in the front hall or, or that at, at different times they would hear footsteps scurrying around the house. Or, or, or one time uh, that her husband's chair just began to vibrate for no fucking reason. You know? <laughs> God. Uh, sometimes they would see a blue light shoot across their bedroom or, or they would witness like this fog floating around going from room to room. You know, just your uh, normal, everyday, paranormal fog that roams around. You know, nothing to see here, guys. Like, fucking get the fuck out of here. Uh, they also claimed that at different times, the entire house would vibrate so hard that they thought the building was going to collapse around their head. And yet they stay. You know, like, God, man, I just don't understand people. <laughs> uh, the Peron family would end up doing okay for themselves in the long run. The oldest daughter, Andrea, uh, she's written three books about their time in the haunted estate. Uh, and the books are called House of Darkness, House of Light, and there's three different volumes. Uh, Carol, Carolyn Piran actually worked with producers and Lorraine Warren in the making of the first Conjuring film, which was based on the Piran family's experiences in the old Arnold estate. Uh, the, the movie, in my opinion, it was really pretty good. You know, lots of jump scares and, you know, overall just a damn creepy feel. You know, I mean, that's just my opinion, but I enjoyed them. Uh, as for the old Arnold estate, uh, in 2019, the farm was bought by two paranormal researchers, Corey and Jennifer Heinzen. The couple claim that the ghosts are just as active today as they were 40 years ago. And for a small price, you could take a tour of the notorious haunt. But you might want to maybe bring a crucifix or some holy water, or maybe even a priest, just to make sure that you don't actually uh, accidentally take something extra home with you. Remember, an open mind leads to endless possibilities. Join us next time for another piece of weird candy. <laughs>